0: Especially Sunday morning, you know, Nick's one of the few that says, go get them. He, he has a sign that he holds up that just says, sick them. Um, no, just kidding, just kidding. All right, we're glad to have you uh, who are watching online tuning in with us tonight for our Life Messiah study, and uh, tonight will be an interesting night. I think it'll be interesting. Pa- uh, Pastor Drew, I just called you Pastor Drew. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a word of knowledge. We talk about profit on Sunday, right? I Maybe mean, that's my gift. Um, but Pastor Danny has taken a couple weeks off, and uh, currently he's on his way out. I think he's going to Montana. I know he's going to Montana. Um, so pray for him and safety and travel, and you've all seen him drive, so, you know, <laughs> right into a pole. No, he's he's, 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 and he's probably listening now, so, you know, he's probably now feverishly texting on the, on the uh, chiming in, but you know, he of oh, the pastoral staff, you know, he's always telling Brock and I that he, I hardly ever take my Corvette over 35 miles an hour, you know. <laughs> okay, um, I'm moving on, you don't get that joke, okay? Um, he doesn't, that's what's you know, tears, but. Pray that he has a safe drive there and back, but uh, Drew was praying a moment ago about it. I pray tonight you'll see something different than a familiar story that maybe you'll see something from the Jewish perspective. We're not going to get done with all of it tonight. Really, tonight's going to be more of an introduction to this story, and uh, we're in Luke chapter number 5 um, in the life of Messiah. We're still early in the life of the ministry of Jesus. He's just shown Peter and James and John and Andrew, the, his power and command over nature. Last week we studied, which I thought last week, you know, since I didn't write all of it, um, it was just a very powerful Bible study last week about the catches of the miracle catch of the fish and uh, what, what that was and why it happened when it did and, and how Jesus, after doing that, calls Peter and John to a deeper level of ministry, calls them to full-time ministry, and they leave the family business and follow Jesus full-time. Now, um, tonight, I've entitled uh, tonight's message or devotional, The, capital T-H-E, The Sickness and Jesus. The Sickness and Jesus. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this significant event, uh, but Luke is a doctor, and so he gives us the most detail, and so we're going to look at Luke. You guys hear me okay? I feel like I'm a little too loud, but are you good? If you're good, I'm good. I'm okay with it. You hear You're hear fine? Okay, then leave it alone. We're all good, Oscar. They're, they're good. So if I, when I start screaming in a minute here, you you said so. Um, so we're going to be in Luke chapter number 5. What I want to do is begin by reading the story, and I imagine most of you, night when I say what is the sickness in the Bible, I would think most of you will come if you've done a church any length of time, probably can come to conclusion on what that is. If not, it's in Luke chapter 5 beginning in verse number 12. And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold a man full of leprosy, Who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man but go and show thyself to the priest and offer uh, thy cleansing, according to as Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. But so much more went there at fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities, and he withdrew himself into a wilderness and prayed. So tonight, we are going to look at the illness of leprosy, and um, uh, this is in the gospel accounts the first recorded uh, encounter that... Is recorded that Jesus had leprosy. We do not know if some of the earlier healings is in our life of Messiah, there were Jesus that he healed people. It, it, it could have been he healed lepers. We don't know. I tend to doubt it. Um, but it could be. We don't know. But this is the first time it's recorded in the gospel accounts. Now the Mosaic Law, if you know the Old Testament, had more specific attention to this disease really than any other. It, it's not close. And here we are in Luke chapter 5, and it's some 1400 years or so since Moses' time, and leprosy is still a big issue. Now, the life of Messiah in our study usually takes time to fully explain something when it is first presented in the life of Messiah. Uh, Dr. Frutenbaum is really uh, good about this. It's uh, one of his, you know, I would call one of his teaching techniques. When you go through stuff, the very first time you, you encounter something that he feels is going to be very significant to understanding the life of Messiah and his ministry and the things he does and does not do, uh, Dr. Frutenbaum will take, he'll he'll, he'll take pages. He'll take 10, I don't know, numbers, 10, 12 pages of, of information just on, okay, here's Here's what's important about this issue and why it matters. For example, earlier in our study, it has been several months ago at this point, the very first time the Pharisees are introduced, Dr. Frutbaum takes all kinds of time for you to understand what did the Pharisees do in the first century in Jesus' day, what were the things they believed, uh, so that when we see things happen inside the rest of the gospel accounts, we can understand why the Pharisees respond the way they do or why Jesus does what he does. So tonight, we're going to see that same principle in when it comes to considering leprosy. Now, I thought to myself, boy, what an exciting thing. We're going to write a Bible study about leprosy. Uh, aren't you all? You can t- I can just feel the enthusiasm in the room tonight. Um, but... It is significant, and if it weren't, I wouldn't be doing this, and, I, and neither would you know somebody who's far smarter than me, Dr. Frutenbaum, uh, would not as well. Um, the word leprosy in the Hebrew literally means mark or spot, and it's referred to. It's mainly you know it's about an infection that was on the surface of the of the skin, and today it's called Hansen's disease. Didn't you maybe know that's what it's referred to as today? It is, I guess, still a thing and a uh, what we know now is it's a bacterial infection that, you know, can be, I don't think it can, I think it can be reasonably cured, is that correct, doctor that's in the house? Okay, I, I think it, you know, you, I've never known anybody with leprosy, anybody, anybody, I'm curious, anybody ever known anybody that had leprosy? I'm just curious, No. okay, I, I, isn't it great to be an American? You know, praise the Lord, because it is not that way, I'm sure, in other parts of the world. But this disease usually begins to show itself by numbness in the fingers and the toes. So I know some of us in here tonight, you know, DT and myself, some of us have some of those issues. And I'm thinking, man, I'm glad that when they were going through the different possibilities, although if it had been this one, maybe they could have given us an antibiotic and we'd have been all right. But that's how it began in this numbness. But then spots begin to appear on your skin in various places. And eventually these spots and lesions begin to spread all over your body. Uh, typically all your hair first turns white and then it falls out. I guess that's what happens to all of us, right? Uh, but it gets in a little speed up fashion there. Um, they say that literally fingers and toes literally kind of melt away. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just giving you the cliff note version of this because you know when I was, when Dr. Fruit, well, when I looked into this, it's let's just say it's an awful disease. I, I, I imagine a day if you were living in that time that all of a sudden you think, man, I don't think I feel my fingers quite right. You know, I, 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 I and then you get a spot. It, wow, yes, sir. Nope. You don't. Wow. Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, when you can't feel it in your hands and your feet, Jenny will tell you, sometimes it comes in beneficial um, I, I personally have not lost complete feeling, but I have a lot of loss of feeling. So like whenever we have to clean out the freezer, you know, grab me some ice, I can hold on to it for a long time. <laughs> so you can sometimes get a benefit. But I don't think there's any benefit anywhere um, in leprosy. And i got to tell you, one of the things that, that I didn't know or I, I needed to be reminded of is, did you know that on average, from the time that you started seeing the spots on the skin, it would take an average, now this is the average, about 10 years for that bacterial infection to work its way from the surface of your skin down to your muscles and your bones. That's awful, isn't it? That's a, and eventually, it would continue to work interior until it got to your internal organs, and once it started eating away your internal organs, you died. I mean, that is not, uh, that is not a pleasant experience. And this is why, for example, in our text, in verse number 12, the Bible says, "It came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold a man, and Luke's the only one to put it this way, full of leprosy. What Luke is telling us is this is a guy that was in the end stages of leprosy. You imagine the physical sight this guy was. Uh, this guy was near death. Now, in the Old Testament, where the the rabbis and, and the Mosaic Law has a lot to say, um, leprosy plays a we we see it in the Old Testament. And I was curious. I know it's Wednesday night. Most of you're tired. You worked a long day. But I'm just just curious. We'll see how many of these we get right. Although I don't know if Arnold listed all of them. I think he said he did, but can anybody remember anybody in the Old Testament, Old Testament, that we are told had leprosy? Yeah, Heather? Miriam. Miriam. Cha-ching, all right. Anybody else? Yes. Naaman. Naaman. That's, yes, no, I, 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 he, he wasn't Jewish, and Arnold does and doesn't mention him. Why does Arnold do and don't mention him? Yeah, well, what? what oh, you'll get it when. anybody else? Yes? Ah, uh, see? Remember Naaman's leprosy, where did it go? Ended up on Gehazi. Remember, it ended up on his servant. Um, that's who Arnold f- focused on, but you're right, Brock. Um, he is in the Old Testament and he did have leprosy. Um, anybody else? Yes? Okay. That his hand came in. I guess technically, (laughs) he probably did have it. You know, Arnold doesn't mention him, but I would agree with you. You know, he he for that long, right? You know, (laughs) that's a good one, Drew. I didn't come up with that one. See, it is Pastor Drew tonight. That's pretty good. You filling in for Pastor Danny admirably, um, thinking of things. But it, it it it's interesting now. In Miriam's case, which is Moses' sister, does anybody remember why she got leprosy? Okay, Karen says she, did she, do you say she lied against Moses? alright she complained against Moses you remember why did she complain I'm, this is just getting harder and harder it's like 20 questions why did she complain against Moses you remember that one alright we're going to make oh Drew's saying I got this you're on a roll tonight Drew what, what do you think do you remember why as well. okay so Aaron and were <laughs> and okay you're listing the root issue but that's not where they started at so only get half point for that. Half point for Drew. Um, anybody remember? It's in part his wife, Joel. Leave it to the Christian school teacher. Ching comes on. Fifth grade level. Are you smarter than a fifth grader, Drew? Um, <laughs> See, you're filling in for Pastor Danny. You know, ching. You know, it gets dark. Um, yeah, that's um, according to Numbers chapter twelve, verse number one. She and Aaron were mad that Moses had married an Ethiopian woman. It was racial, really, and didn't didn't like it. And they but then in the next verse it says what Drew identified, you know that they the real there there was a surface reason and there was a root reason. The reason they brought up on the surface was when everybody could say, oh yeah, you know what, I, I don't know if he really is a leader. Is that a really responsible thing to do as a leader? I mean, he's a leader of the Jewish people. Shouldn't the leader of the Jewish people be married to a Jewish, you know. But the real issue was they didn't like the fact that Moses got to call the shots and they did not. Ooh. But I think it says, I think in verse number three of, of Numbers 12, but the Lord heard it. I wish Christians would understand God hears it. And then in verse 8, remember what he, God ends up saying, he appears before Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, someone all three of you out front and center, calls them out and the Bible says a pillar of fire and cloud came in front of the, tent, the, the door of the tabernacle and God himself calls them out. You imagine that meeting? Moses, you stand over there and I think the root cause of this was Miriam because Aaron doesn't get the judgment Miriam does. And um, God asks her in verse number eight, "Why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses?" Ooh, you know I have found um, there, as James says, "Don't seek to be many masters, many teachers, because it comes with a greater condemnation." Be when God calls you to a leadership position. It is, comes with great responsibility. Sorry for my Spider-Man. I know the Spider-Man. I know bit in there there quoting Spider-Man. I don't mean to go. But it does. It comes with an awesome amount of responsibility. Um, but sometimes, matter of fact, you, you look even into the New Testament, when, when people went after men that God had placed in positions, Bad things happen. God hears it, and he's asking you, aren't you afraid to speak against my God? Well, you don't understand. He's doing something we don't think you ought to do. Well, I'm happy for you. Now, it does not mean there's no accountability. I don't want to be misquoted here this evening. Uh, I've said it many times, why when we came here and we did our first draft on the Constitution, you know, the, the reasons that people can bring something against me is it has to be a clearly biblical reason. Otherwise, there is no resource. Y'all are stuck with me. Um, <laughs> stinks, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, but I know that in the building tonight and in our ministry, we have, I can see one, two, three, three that I can see and that I know for sure. Three other four, excuse me, Lydia's here, uh, preacher's kids are in here tonight. Well, Joe, you make five. I guess you technically, your dad was me. Oh, Kellyanna, too. That's right. Six. Uh, Josh makes seven. I got seven, the perfect number. You know, stop right there. Yes, I don't want any more volunteers. We're not doing a roll call like Drew did in Friday, and we're done. Seven. Um, One of the hardest things about being a pastor kid is watching your dad get accusations thrown at him and people say stuff and whatever. And yet, I know Matt would tell you that. And some of you around, I'm telling you, um, Moses was not without fault. Now, not in this situation he wasn't, but I mean, he was not a perfect man. He was not a perfect leader. He made some mistakes along the way. That can be said. But at the end of the day, he was God's man. And I'm just telling you, I I grew up as a deacon's kid. I'm just telling you, you got to be really careful about that because it really seems to tick God off. And it doesn't mean, please do not, I don't want to be misquoted here, especially in the independent Baptist world. You know, I grew up in an era where, you know, the, the pastor of the church was treated like a pope or a king and people were required to, you know, that's a bunch of arrogance and whatever. So I'm, I, I, I am not saying it, but I would tell you, people say, what are we supposed to do? I say, well, I'll tell you one thing I would do if that was the case that you felt that way about your pastor or you think that, that it really offends you. He married an Ethiopian woman and you just can't live with that. Then you and your family quietly say, God bless you, but we can't stay under this and we have to go serve somewhere that we're comfortable serving. Because I can tell you, one of the pressures, <laughs> I don't want to be here on Wednesday night with an empty room. Nor do I want to personally, financially pay for to keep all these lights on and, you know, write my own paycheck, you know. I have a lot of motivation, you know, but the biggest motivation is this is what God's called me to do. And I've also been there when if that's what it takes and if God wants to provide for the lights to stay on and everything else and he wants to pay all the bills, he will, has, and has done that for me before. God's quite capable. But the bottom line is if you're a servant of God, you are uh, live in a tremendous amount of accountability. You know, when Miriam does this and God smotes her with leprosy, the Bible says that Moses was a very meek man. And I'll tell you, this story, when I was studying it this week, I was kind of like, oh man, you know, I'd rather study about Moses when he loses his temper and does all these bad things, you know, smites the rock and, you know, I, hey, I haven't done that bad. But Moses... On balance, was a guy who really kept his strength under control. And boy, oh boy, oh boy! Most of the time, when God puts someone in leadership, you have to be a strong personality to overcome the adversity and the criticism. And the if you don't, you won't. You're not going to survive. But at the same time, <laughs> you know Moses is the guy that prays for the very people that spoke against him. takes a lot of grace to do that doesn't it and god was willing to let miriam have that disease until 10 years and it at ate but moses prayed and interceded on in her behalf and god says okay here's what i'm going to do you know she, is, she basically needs to learn a lesson and he required that she lived outside of the camp for 7 days and then would come back in and be healed And the Bible says that the whole camp of the entire nation, a million people or whatever they were, had to stay camp for seven extra days in one location because of Miriam. And because of Moses' demonstration of grace. Boy, oh boy, that'll, that'll preach. On the one hand, we ought to be people of grace that people learn, make mistakes, whatever. They get healed, they come back in the camp. But at the same time, as somebody who grew up in the church... How many times is the church stationary doing nothing because people are more irritated about the fact that God's called somebody to be a leader and they're acting like a leader and everybody else, the whole thing stops. In other words, sometimes in church today, we have, especially in the American church, we're more annoyed by the, whether it's the the particular style of music or the color of the carpet or, you know, they, they have, we have too many ladies' fellowships and not enough men's or what. You pick whatever you want to get offended by. I just wish that more Christians were as upset about the fact that the church is not doing the mission, the main mission, and our country is just abandoning our Judeo-Christian values because we're losing the culture war. How do we win the culture war? We win more people to Jesus Christ. That's how we win the culture war. It's the only way to win the culture war. But we are too busy as churches throwing around, he's married to an Ethiopian woman. That's a, their church, I, I, I've had this happen, that church allows biracial married people to be in their church. You I had one time, I had to say, well, her adopted son is in a biracial marriage, you know, and I love him. But isn't it sad that those are the things that people want to have a big offense about? Miriam paid a deep price, leprosy. Now, one you guys did not mention, King Uzziah. Remember King Uzziah? He was a good king. Second Kings chapter number 15, you remember why he got leprosy? You may remember, this is, I know, advanced Bible study, it's Wednesday night, so it's advanced Bible studies. You remember why King Uzziah got leprosy? It was a harder one. That's in Second Kings chapter 15. He was a godly king, and God blessed him tremendously, and once God blessed him tremendously, he got a little full of himself. And when he got full of himself, he started wanting to be in, be in leadership on everything, and he decided that he was good enough that he could go into the temple and he could offer the sacrifices. He told the priest, get out of the way, I'll become the priest. <laughs> so he goes in there and offers a sacrifice uh, in a position he was not called to do, and God doesn't like it at one bit and God smote him with leprosy, and according to Second Chronicles 26-21, the Bible tells us about him. He was forced to leave his palace in Jerusalem, live outside, and he lived that way until he died. That's a big price. He was a good godly king. Just got a little full of himself, and God struck him. Um, we mentioned. I think Brock mentioned uh, Naaman and Elisha, and then the, his servant Gehazi in Second Kings, chapter number five. Remember uh, why did he, why did Gehazi end up with with leprosy? Remember that Naaman comes and is a Syrian general who's full of leprosy, and this little little girl, the servant girl, tells him there's a prophet in Israel and tells him to go see him, and, and he's all upset that, that 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 Elisha doesn't heal him the 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 way uh, that he should. And, you know, Elisha says, go dip in the Jordan seven times. And Naaman says, why am I going to do it in that dirty old river? You know, I can go to my, in Damascus, and the rivers are much cleaner and better. And remember, another one of his wise servants said, what do you got to lose here? And he humbled himself, which the cross of Christ, when someone comes to it, always does. Till you recognize and are humble enough to say, yeah, I'm a sinner. (laughs) You're never going to experience healing. And so, remember, Naaman gets healed on a 7-1. It's all gone and he comes back and tells Elisha, thank you, thank you, and he offers him this big reward. And Elisha says, I don't need any of your money, Syrian. Move on. Glad we could help you. And off he goes. But then Gehazi got offended again at the leadership decision of Elisha. I can't believe Elisha did that. This this this, this, this Syrian general, we could have taken all the haul out of him and, and, and you just let him leave. And so, you remember how he goes behind and comes and Follows naaman and says, "Hey, my sir, my master sent me and said so he changed his mind about that, and he'll take this, this that, and you know the other, and he takes it and goes hides, and then he comes back to work and and elisha says, Hey, where you been? Oh, I' just been out and about You're a liar and of course God knew, and you and remember what elisha says the the leprosy that Naaman had is now on you that 'll preach as well now it's also interesting in are you guys freezing to death in here, are you guys okay? I see some of you being cold. You're good? Okay. All right. <laughs> you're good, Warren. You're good? You're one of the... You and DT are on the right one, and Heather and Ginger and Tommy, you need to do like Brock does and bring a coat and a blanket. You know, we're, we're good with that. You just roll one up and leave it right where you sit. You know, embroider your name on it. It's, it's fantastic, you know. Uh, Carol Jean always has one. Matter of fact, it looks like Carol Jean's got a coat, one blanket, two... You got three blankets and Nick. Um, and you're not even you're not even in the blast zone. You're in the you know, you know the the compromising middle. Um, but it's interesting when it comes to this thing of leprosy, as Doctor Frutenbaum generally does. He always brings he brings what you know biblical examples, and he also includes, which I always find fascinating. I do, rabbinic writings and how the rabbis dealt with this with this issue of leprosy, and and according to rabbinic writings. There's another couple people in the Old Testament that the rabbis believed also had leprosy. One of them is a guy by the name of Shebna. I don't know if anybody remembers Shebna. You find this in Isaiah 22 and Isaiah 37. Uh, He was a high-ranking servant of King Hezekiah. Good King Hezekiah. Remember, good king. God blessed him a lot. And again, he didn't like some of the things King Hezekiah did. And rabbinic writing says that he began embezzling temple money and you can read in Isaiah 22 and in 37, there's a couple of verses that, that tell us that God put judgment on. It doesn't say specifically leprosy, but the rabbis said that, that Shebna got it too and uh, died with it as a result of his uh, theft. The last one that I'll mention, and there's a couple other ones, but one that I found particularly interesting, is the rabbis of certain eras believed none other than King David had leprosy. Yeah, didn't know that, did you? It's interesting. Now it's just rabbinic writing, so I don't believe it uh, per se. But the Bible doesn't clearly say it. But it is interesting in terms of understanding a Jewish perspective on these things, even in the day of of the, of, of Jesus here, that they held to this. They they believe, from what I could understand, that the sin that he committed with Bathsheba and, and then killing, you know, Uriah. Um, you know that, that, that God judged him, and one of the ways they come with this is, um, I don 't think it's actually it 's a, it's a uh, discrepancy, but they point out in a, one they think is of when. remember how David reigned part of the time in Hebron, and then he ruled also in Jerusalem, and when he first came king, he was only king over two of the tribes, and then the rest of the tribes brought him in, and he was king over the whole nation. Well, in a couple of different places that, according to rabbinic writing, there's a, a six month discrepancy. And what the rabbis believed is that those six months after David committed that sin that God smote him with leprosy and made him live outside of the camp for a while to kind of teach him a lesson and then healed him and brought him back in as the king. Interesting, isn't it? Um, another thing, and lastly before we move on, that I, that I also found very interesting that that the rabbis noticed about Scripture that I had never considered before, is the rabbis taught that Before, basically the time of Sinai, Mount Sinai, remember what happened at Mount Sinai? Ten Commandments, right? Before Moses goes to the mountain, there there was no recorded event of leprosy. Does anybody remember what problem or what sin occurred around that same time at Mount Sinai? Remember, Drew? You got it. Um, The golden calf, remember that? And Moses is up on the, up the mountain, you know, talking to God. And then he comes down, and he breaks the tablets. You know, Moses is mad. Moses being, you know, hey, that's, that's the Moses I relate to, you know. Um, you know, um, breaks the tablets. And Moses pays a heavy price for that, by the way. Um, and and, and the, the people started to worship this golden calf. And you know the rest of the story. And the rabbis saw a direct correlation between the people that specific sin And all of a sudden, leprosy begins to appear among God's people. Interesting. You know, I'll put it that. Bottom line, for all these examples that we've talked about tonight, I want you to understand and what Dr. Frutenbaum wants us to understand as we go through life of Messiahs. The rabbis, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the people of the culture, the Jewish culture in general, saw leprosy as a direct punishment for an awful sin. That's how they viewed it. They believed that if a person got leprosy, it was because they or a relative had sinned. I don't know how your relatives are, but I'd probably be full of it (laughs) based on that, right? I'm sure your relatives are thinking the same thing about you. Um, But they believed you got it. Like other areas, they believed that you kind of deserved it. They believed it was a judgment of God. Remember all the ones where the examples we gave in the Old Testament? God smote them with leprosy. Almost every time in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, I think it is every time. Other than Naaman that we didn't know about. Therefore, if God decreed it, no man could override it. Makes sense, doesn't it? The only one they wrote that could ever change if someone, if God decreed someone to get leprosy, the only way to get unleprosied is how? If God did it. Are the light bulbs already coming on? Fascinating, isn't it? You see, according to the Old Testament, next week we're going to look a little, more, a little bit at some of the mosaic thing, and then we'll go into the actual story next week a little more than we have tonight. Tonight is just introductory um, But if a person began to develop symptoms, they were required to go see a priest, and only a priest could declare him a leper. Interesting how much power the priests had in those days and in the days of Jesus, too. And some of it was biblically, certainly biblically based. Then they were required, if the priests declared that they were leprous, they were required to wear clothes that were torn so that everyone who would encounter them would know if they were torn because early on in the disease if you wore clothes you wouldn't know you may not know someone had the disease so they required them to walk around with torn clothing that you could see some of their exposed skin and also it was just a physical demonstration that this was an unclean person they believed in this so strongly that the rabbis wrote that if a leper even one in the early stages is found inside a walled city you know, I guess it was like COVID before COVID. If you're inside the walled city, then it's, you're really in danger. But outside, it's not as dangerous, I guess. But they would literally beat them. Um, pretty bad. You see, because of the uniqueness of leprosy in the Old Testament, and specifically in Leviticus, the rabbis connected it to sin that separated them, a leper, from God and always causes death when you got leprosy you died 100% of the time wow in, in rabbinic writing and I want you to understand this they saw the, the very idea of the healing of a leper was the equivalent of bringing someone back from the dead Because when you got leprosy, you were dead. Wow. We know that leprosy is a powerful picture, spiritually, of sin that causes separation and death from God in that we will be separated from God from all eternity. You know, sometimes one of the problems with all of us, myself included, is sometimes we take sin pretty lightly. We don't think it's as ugly as it really is. I'm like, well, well you know, God looks at it and sees. And yet I'm so thankful that as God he he is also the healer. You know, I thought it was interesting. The Bible says in Romans three twenty three, most of us here tonight know that verse, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you've heard that verse taught, most time people will say like it, it's a good understanding of the verse that it's like the, the shooting of an arrow and the arrow misses the mark. You see we know the Bible teaches that all of us are born with spiritual leprosy and just like the man in our story the only hope is Jesus Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me Second Corinthians 5 Paul says that he hath made him to be sin for us made him to be leprosy for us that we might be found without leprosy before him that's my <laughs> that's the Ken translation there okay Humbly given. Jesus took our sin and and gave us righteousness. And he offers that healing if we'll simply look and live and trust the finished work of Christ. So we're going to see this as a really significant encounter here. And as we move forward in the life of the Messiah, you need to understand what I've taught tonight and what we'll finish next week. To understand why this particular disease and how Jesus dealt with it was so significant. Now, this is an illustration I've used before, um, but it's one of my ones that personally in, uh, impacted me a lot, and so it's one that I, without apology, will <laughs> repeat every now and then. Uh, I have not been to Hawaii. Jen and I thought about going there this this last summer. Never been there, but I hear it's beautiful there. And one of the smallest islands, if you were to go there, that if you really want the most authentic Hawaiian cultural experience, you go to the island of Molokai, and it's a beautiful island. You can go, you know, you look at it it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. But it was not always so. Um, many years ago, back in the 1800s, in the main, the big island of Hawaii, there was an outbreak of leprosy. And when anybody got the, the, the governor didn't know what to do. The, the king, Kamalamala, or whatever his name was, something like that. But he decided that anybody who got leprosy was going to be sent over to Molokai Island so that they could quarantine everybody away from there. And soon there were hundreds of people there living with this dreaded disease. And like always, one of the first people, one of the few people that were willing even to do anything were churches, believers, the Christian faith. And so many Christians had a burden for these people. And they developed a system where they would bring a boat or something, and they would basically drop ship. They'd bring their ship, and they'd drop stuff, either floated in the water. I don't know what they, here y'all go, you know, which is a wonderful thing. Food, supplies, other things they might need. And it, was, it was, nobody else was doing much of anything, and even though the guy that I'm talking about, he's referred to as Father Damien, um, you know, he, apparently, best I could tell, he was really Catholic. That's at least what he claimed. But I wish I could tell you there were some independent Baptists that did this. But this guy, nonetheless, in many ways, um, I admire his fervor for his faith and the things that I've specifically read about him, his own words. Um, he seemed to have a very evangelistic heart. I'm going to give him that. If you go to Malachi today, you'll find the statue to this man still on that island. And when all these people were showing up over there and this man was called into missionary work, he gets to Hawaii, he finds out this is going on and people are trying to help and he goes, well, why aren't we going there? And everybody's like, what do you mean, why aren't we going there? Um, you know, that's kind of... And... He said, quote, here am I ready to bury myself alive among these unfortunate people, several of whom are personally known to me. He went on to say, quote, I want to sacrifice myself for the poor lepers. The harvest is ripe. From henceforth, when he he goes over there and he serves the people for like five, six, seven years. Everybody told me to have leprosy within a year and he did not. Not the first year, Not not for several years. He ministered to these people. They built churches. They built, he showed them how to do agricultural things so they could live. He won countless of them to faith in Christ. To, you know, hope, I pray that he was, best I can tell. But bottom line was he, he, he didn't just talk, he did. And finally, though, he began to feel numbness in his feet, found out he, in fact, had taken on leprosy. He wrote in his journal, From henceforth I am forbidden to come to Honolulu again because I am attacked by leprosy. Its marks are seen upon my left cheek and ear, and my eyebrows are beginning to the hairs begin to fall out. I shall soon be completely disfigured. I have no doubt whatever of the nature of my illness, but I am calm and resigned and very happy in the midst of my people. The good God knows what is best for my sanctification. I daily repeat from my heart, thy will be done. I make myself a leper with the lepers to gain all to Jesus Christ. Just saying. Where is that kind of radical Christianity today? Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. Leprosy. Um, it is the sickness, and we know the answer is Jesus Christ. I'm glad you tuned in tonight. I hope it was interesting for you, different look. Next week, we're going to pick things up, Lord willing. Actually, we are next week going to pick things up here, but uh, we're going to do something extra special next Wednesday night as well. So um, let me pray, and uh, we will see you all, Lord willing. and Tune in on Sunday morning. We've got some amazing things happening on Sunday morning. You probably aren't going to want to miss that service be interesting, and uh, we're going to do something. Uh, So I'll show you, Lord willing, on Sunday, but let's pray. Lord, thank you for the teaching of your word. Thank you for uh, your love and mercy that in our midst of spiritual leprosy that separated us from you, that you came and paid the price, lived among us, took upon yourself the sin of the world, and died on a cross, but rose again victorious, Lord, I pray that uh, we as a church remember the main thing. Help us to have peace and unity as a church. God, help us and the pastoral staff to recognize the great accountability of of our calling. Um, And Lord, help us to love one another. Thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you later, you guys. Over and out. Let me know.